The Artist Life Podcast is brought to you by Real Creative Heart. Heavy the head that reps the crown. With love, your greatness is found. So rep your crown. Welcome to the Art is Life podcast with your host, Russell C. Holt, where we sit down with artists from all career fields and we discuss their perspectives on their art and what it means to them in life. So sit back, have fun, and enjoy the ride. Let's get it started. All right. Thank you guys for another episode of Arts is Life. And this is a very special episode because this is my first episode on Zoom. If you've been paying attention, and I have my lovely friend and colleague who actually we never worked together, but we didn't. You know, I I always wanted to because, you know, I heard you provided snacks and obviously (laughs) your shows were obviously great um, oh. as well you know just a little caveat but but oh, the, thank you the food the food is definitely a perk for, for oh sure but um but yeah so um guys i have um Haley greenstreet on with me um she was in my cohort we just graduated um in may and she was actually the speaker for for the mfa's mfa avengers yeah um and she was a directing student but not just not a typical, you know, your average directing student that you would think of um, in, um, when it comes to just plays and musicals or film and stuff like that. She was in a particular group uh, theater for young audiences, which is something I was not in, aware of until coming to Greensboro and meeting you and the other directors that were in that program. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to guys to Haley Green Street and um before we get into the theater for young audiences situation um yeah just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came about to greensboro and became a director for theater for you sure yeah of course well thanks so much russell for having me and i agree i i was thinking before i hopped on here i was like i never explicitly worked with you russell not even in the like directing opportunities for acting classes so that that's that's a bummer and obviously something that we'll have to strive for in the future yeah. so and I'll, I'll bring snacks then too oh yes yeah. oh but also i do want to mention although we didn't work together we had a lot of conversations we we, did, we were um friends we've hung like her, she gave the best parties at her house <laughs> those parties i was sad quiplash go quiplash mm. for sure mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, I'm cool. right. We're we're behind the scenes <laughs> friends in addition to colleagues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so theater, uh, if we're going way, way back, theater has been a part of my life since I was little, in part because I have parents who are, especially my mom, um, are incredibly big supporters of the arts. Um, I've been I would go to the Nutcracker like every year since I was a baby. And um, my sister performed in in theater too. So she's nine years older than me. So I would see things from a very young age. Um, uh, And uh, I I started doing theater as an after-school activity when I was like nine years old. My friend Grace West was taking an after-school class at the community theater in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is where I'm from. And so I started doing that. And that persisted until high school. And it kind of evolved from there. So it was 
just after school classes evolved into doing the summer productions because I wasn't doing much over the summer, um, which evolved into like longer. I did like a governor school thing that was this six week process that was theater focused. Um, and then when I went to undergrad at Wake Forest University, theater was something that was very important to me. However, of course, I kind of brainwashed or fell into the mentality that was theater cannot be a job that sustains you uh, financially. Right. So I said, ah, oh, biology, going to do that. That's 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 the track that I'm going to go down. And it, it kind of tore me apart for a while. My sophomore year, I remember having this breakdown conversation with my mom um, where I said, I just want to be doing theater. And it, it's probably not this dramatic. But of course, being in theater, that's, this is how I remember it. She like puts her hand on my shoulder as I'm sobbing. And she says, Haley, you can do theater if you want. <laughs> So, and I did. And, and honestly, I like, so I changed my trajectory. I stopped taking biology, chemistry, physics classes. Um, and uh, it, it really like things just started to fall into place while I was taking theater courses, the community theater in Winston-Salem, the same one that I did classes for when I was little was looking for um, summer camp counselors. And the term teaching artist was kind of unknown to me at that time, but I was leading summer camps i was stage managing as well as like kind of assistant directing um and uh, uh doing all of the activities during the day with this with the with the actors who were ranging in age from i would say like third grade to, to 18 years old depending on the show uh and i really really enjoyed it however i still didn't necessarily connect the dots until i graduated from wake forest that that could be the career it doesn't have to be I don't have to be an actor or performer or a, um, a design tech person because I was really into props as well. Um, and I and I got a job right out of undergrad with Lexington Children's Theater in Kentucky uh, as, as one of their resident education interns. And so it just seemed to make sense. It was all of a sudden teaching artist was, oh, I've been doing this for years. Uh, I, I've, I've known this work because I've been doing it. Um, and uh, did a year there uh, where I served as a teaching artist in, so there's all sorts of things, right? We have creative drama or process drama classes, um, which is when you teach theater for the sake of theater surrounding some kind of theme. Uh, we also did arts integrated curriculum, which is where you use theater to help enforce something that's already being learned in schools in the curriculum. And then there's arts enhanced curriculum, right? Where you're using art, um, not not necessarily or not necessarily teaching theater itself, but just just using theater to learn something like the American Revolution. Um, and so yeah, and so I did that in Lexington, and then in Omaha, Nebraska, at the Rose Theater. Um, for I was there for like four years, and and eventually I thought to myself, okay, I really enjoy this work. I, I enjoy working with young people. I enjoy. I did uh, a bit of directing, of course, too, when I was in Omaha, um, creating theater for the very young, which I'll, of course, uh, enlarge and enhance on in a little bit. Um, and I, I thought, okay, I want to keep doing this and I want to be paid more to do it. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to go to grad school and I'm going to go to grad school um, for theater for youth, whether that is in a teaching artist context, which would be at like Arizona State University or UT Austin, right? Or Honolulu. Um, 
or I'm going to do it for directing. And I was really attracted to Greensboro for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, Rachel Briley, who's the head of the Theater for Youth program, was a very excited to talk to me and to hear about my experiences and um, uh, to, to get me on board. It also was really attractive to me in part because my family, my parents are still in Winston-Salem, which is only about 30 minutes away. Yeah. Um, and I missed North Carolina. I had been out of it for five years at that point. And I just kind of, not that ne Omaha, Nebraska doesn't have trees. I'm not trying to like slander at all. I really enjoyed Nebraska, but I missed the trees here mm -hmm. and I missed my family. And, uh, I thought it was interesting, uh, that, that this program has a directing focus more so than any of the, uh, other programs that were available to me. So, um, having already directed a theater for the very young piece at the Rose Theater and assisted directed a number of musicals there that were for family audiences and young audiences. I thought, yeah, I think I could probably, I could probably uh, learn more and then evolve that portion of my artistry. So yeah, that's how we're, we're here. Nice. Now, uh, touching back to what you were saying before in regards to majoring in biology, because, you know, you thought it was, you know, theater wasn't going to be, I, I have like a similar, yeah, situation. Do you? Yeah, trajectory. Like I switched majors to, and I, even when I switched my major to media studies from uh, kinesiology, mm -hmm. I still, I only minored in theater. I still was still hesitant with it because, you, know, you know, thinking about society and like what your parents and stuff were going to do. Right. Not. But, um, but yeah, just getting into the art form in general. So for you, when um, you just wanted to be in it in some way, like you didn't have like, I want to be an actor, a director. You were just, you were already submerged in it. You knew different avenues in the theater space. You just wanted it. You just wanted to be in it. And then your trajectory kind of went to teaching artists and then the directing came after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be honest with you. So, okay. So, uh, when I was a senior at Wake Forest, I, I had like three different avenues that I could kind of travel down. There was acting. I did a lot of acting when I was an undergrad and I enjoyed doing it. Um, but I was told when I was going to go to the NCTC, the North Carolina Theater Conference audition, because that was my first uh, idea, right? Uh, I should do a singing and acting audition uh, to, to broaden the scope of the places who might be interested in me. However, fun fact, Russell, Sheet music scares the heck out of me. I, I can't, for some reason, as soon as that's introduced to the, the equation, my anxiety goes. Poof. So uh, I had this, oh, it's like a cringe memory. I had my audition in a room, right? Cattle call room full of 50 other people my age auditioning with song uh, and, and monologue. And I was doing By the Sea from uh, Sweeney Todd and the, the pianist, the accompanist started playing along and none of the words that are actually in the song came out of my mouth. And I had to stop and the, the accompanist stopped. And then I looked at the timer and I said, can I just go to my monologue? And she's not supposed to speak. So she didn't say a darn thing. And she just like looked at me and nodded. And I went to my monologue and that's when I kind of decided, I was like, maybe, maybe this, maybe this isn't, mm. yeah. if I, if I get anxiety at an audition, let's, let's not. Yeah. pursue that much further but then I went to SCTC Southeastern Theater Conference with two resumes in my hand I had one for teaching artistry and one for props and I just it was really then that I discovered when I was speaking on my my props experience versus speaking on my teaching experience I just 
had a natural delight in talking about working with young people and what I've seen it do for young people and what I know from my own personal experiences, um, theater has done for me when I was nine years old up until, you know, I was an adult. So, yeah. yeah. And then directing fell into that teaching and directing. You'll probably hear me say this a lot in the next half hour, have so many commonalities. You know, I, I think that that's something super important is, is a director can be a teacher and a teacher can be a director in some ways. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I was, I was talking to Karen, um, before, uh, when I was, I interviewed her and she mm-hmm. was saying, you know, cause you had mentioned it as well when you were talking about how using like theater and stuff to help with other avenues in life. And like you said, to help learn with the American revolution or yeah. just stuff in general, like you know, she was mentioning like, yeah, using it like for life skills and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, so like when you, decided to be the director it wasn't was there any like did it seem pretty easy like was there any pit, like any challenges with it or did it seem kind of was it kind of a smooth like transition that's a great question yeah so I would say speaking for me personally I have a healthy amount of imposter syndrome entering most spaces um, and that was absolutely true when I came here I felt as though, yes, I'd been a director before in a, in a series of different rooms, right? Um, and I, I still felt as though, for some reason, I shouldn't be here. Like, like I don't have the credentials. Something that I talked about recently with my mom is, is, so the other folks who came into the directing sphere my first semester with John Gully, our class had uh, David Garrett, who was a design tech graduate from the MFA UNCG program, um, Chris Gillyforer, Karen Sabo, who are both directors from our cohort, and uh, John Perrine. Those were the folks in that class that year. And all of them had a, like vast knowledge of all of these playwrights and all of these titles. And, and I just didn't. Um, and, and I still don't. It's something I'm working on uh, uh, still. And I felt as though that was something that equates to good directing is having all that knowledge. And I think it helps 100%. I think it helps. And it's not all of it, right? There's a lot of like intuition that comes into being a director and being able to, to read a room. And um, I, I quickly learned, thankfully through, through the Arkansas bear, which was my first semester directing project, the Arkansas bear by Aaron Terrace um, that that it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to have those titles and those playwrights to be able to, to, to lead a room and, and feel as though you've created a, not only a safe space where people are free to explore these characters that in that story are particularly absurd and different from who they are as human beings, um, but also one that, that allows for experimentation and fun and, and play um, alongside the learning. And, and the hard hardship, because that play is about death and it's for young people. Um, one of the challenges though, that I would say that came with, when you're in a teaching situation, right? The, the oftentimes too, with young people, there's a certain security and yes, I definitely know more than the third grader on this particular topic. I know more about being an actor, right? Um, whereas with directing, especially directing theater for youth, 
my my hiccup or challenge that I always foresee having is helping explain why this particular field of theater is as important as theater for adult audiences, right? You don't have to ham it up or be presentational or feel as if you are spoon feeding your lines or the information from the story to your audience simply because they are smaller and younger than than an adult audience. Um, And so that's something that I I thought was going to be um, a bigger hurdle, honestly, than I think it ended up being because everyone for for each of the projects that I was in was totally on board um, with with the playful aspects, but also the seriousness and the sincerity that came with these stories that happened to be, yes, more colorful than um, than like feeding the moonfish, right? Or or uh, have characters that had lines that were kind of Dr. Seussian um, doesn't mean that they're any any less in, impactful. Uh, so I would say teaching really helped me as a director learn the scaffolding of how to introduce that concept even to, to actors who perhaps haven't experienced TYA, Theater for Young Audiences, before. Um, so yeah, they really there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of coinciding there. Um, but yeah. Well, like you were saying, as far as the imposter syndrome, um, I necessarily don't call it that. Yeah? What do you call it? I don't call it. I just like I just don't know what I was like. I don't know. Sure. What I was like, sure. Because I because I don't feel like I'm in po- an imposter necessarily. Um, I just maybe feel like oh, I probably should do some work and, and start learning this stuff. And and that's great. I'm glad. But yeah, but I, I definitely I I was in the same boat with you in terms of like not knowing like going being in class with people who knew all these playwrights, knew all these techniques and stuff like that and all this experience and I'm just like, I don't know, I'm just ended like from a critical aspect as well when it came to critiquing stuff. But I'm like, I don't know, I just, you know, take it for what it is. I like it to enjoy it. And yeah, you know, I, if it's, if I'm not connecting with it, then I'll say that, but it's not, you know, I'm not the type to like dissect and be like, oh, this is not what I would, you know. Right. But, uh, but, you know, I definitely understand. And it's nice to know that someone else was in the same boat as I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. But um, um, so now uh, also, so let's just yeah get right into the, um, the theater for young audiences. So what is theater for young audiences? Um, and also there is, there's not that many, uh, majors for it. I know that I think you were mentioned like schools don't not that many schools offer it. Um, sure. Yeah. Is like something that is prevalent in community in like theaters around the world or country. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming. But uh yeah, if you want to just talk about that. Yeah. Well and I might I might just go on this whole I mean I keep going on spiels don't I but uh, <laughs> um it's because I would argue it's because the United States just in general is, is sort of behind in, in the field of TYA in the field of theater for the very young, which other everywhere else in the world, it's called theater for early years, not T E Y rather than T V Y. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of few and far between as far as graduate programs go to find a theater for youth uh, program, but theater for young audiences, TYA is, essentially theater that is intended for an audience that is aged 
zero to young people go as far as 25 nowadays, right? Or I think there was a recent study that said that our brains are continuing to grow until you're like late 20s, 29 or so. So we're still young people-ish, right? Um, yeah, so so it, it typically, it's also... Um, the language is changing a little bit as well to be theater for family audiences, which means that you you don't usually just send a seven-year-old into a theater and say, all right, I'll be outside when you're done. I'll come pick you up, right? It's, it's a family, parents or guardians or babysitters or whoever else are taking these young people to go and see the theater. Um, and so these, these plays can range in any kind of, of topic, just as plays for adult audience, audiences range in any kind of topic. I think when people think of theater for young audiences, oftentimes they think of like um, morality plays, right? Something that's going to teach you a lesson, um, which I, you know, you could argue that most plays do that anyway, right? As uh, you could probably learn something from Romeo and Juliet, despite it not being a TYA piece, right? Olive, olive oil is not that serious. That's right. Fighting <laughs> <laughs> over olive oil. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so, um, and also TYA. Frequently, I would say, especially TYA, that is that it, people invest in, um, it, at least in the United States, that I've experienced is uh, a production that is based on youth literature. Right, so Goodnight Moon, uh, The Little Prince, uh, The Very Hungry Caterpillar, um, Cinderella, any like Disney piece, right? Disney's huge, and there's and Frozen, the musical, of course, is this like super famous uh, a piece now that came from Broadway, and um, yeah, it's usually I that that I've seen and experienced. Oftentimes, it is based on content that already exists and already exists for a, a young audience or family audience. Um, that doesn't mean that there aren't original things, right? Of course there are. Um, but yeah, so, so generally, and this is not always true, but you do find the colors, you find um, sweet characters that aren't necessarily human, right? Um, you, you, you do find lessons. Um, and I think what I've learned both with the teaching artistry that that I've done where we're working in schools and with theater for young audiences and very young is um, a, a, a reach and an attempt to access empathy, right? So, so having a moment as an audience member, no matter how old you are, to recognize that there's a being, a character on stage within a story that is experiencing a situation, some given circumstances, and how that is affecting them. And you as an audience member being able to recognize that in them, because if you were there, if you were that character in their shoes, you would be feeling, feeling similarly. Yeah. Um, and that's what I find so magical, too, about uh, a TYA and, and just working creative drama with young people is, is that access to empathy and that access to imagination, which is of course a, a big thing that we teach in, in especially elementary aged um, teaching artistry uh, is, is being able to push the boundaries of what we thought was reality because we are now existing in a world where 
it's not the same as our own. And we can have Peter Pan fly up in the air and we can have Tinkerbell flying around on the stage, right? As you experienced firsthand in Peter and Starcatcher. We were more uh, so just lifting him. Yes, true that. And yes, absolutely. The imagination, yeah. And did I believe that that Peter fell into the water and was floating in water when you're lifting um, Parker in such a way, right? That Mm -hmm. that the body is moving like water. Yes, because the world the world was set up for me, even as an adult, to say yes. These are the given circumstances. Um, Yeah. And that's the and that's you know that's what I mean by when it's like taking something for what it is and like you know putting yourself in that perspective and looking at it in that way because like someone could be like oh I clearly this is clearly not him swimming because there's people holding him up stuff like that and it's like you're not being open-minded like obviously (laughs) we're holding him (laughs) it's like we can't have water in a theater but like yeah it's just like we need audiences to have that open that that openness as well and right their imaginations and there's a real quick there's a magic age group that's around i would say like third to fifth grade that loves to do that mm-hmm. they love to point out that you know that's not real right. you know that's i i saw how they did that and they like to uncover it and still if we keep on right if we persist within the those circumstances of that world even if there's there's a bit of you that's saying like oh they did it this way there's there's an acceptance too that that comes with it that I think is so great um, one of my favorite things in certain classes right in certain creative dramas is to be in role as a character right so uh, what's a good example when I did a Frozen class for for five year olds years ago I was Kristoff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think Hans, I don't think he's not that bad guy, but the the good one. And there were times, of course, where the students are like, you're Miss Haley. And I speak with an accent and I'm like, no, I'm, I don't know who Haley is. Uh, have you seen Sven? You know, and yeah. <laughs> try to redirect um, because it's fun to do that. It's fun to identify. And then also equally, maybe even more fun to say, you know what? I don't even care about what's real. I want to be a part of this world right here, right now. Um yeah. So you mentioned empathy um, is like a, a main thing. Um, I do want to touch base on because your first show, Arkansas Bear, was, mm. that was a special time. That, yes. Yes. Um, and you can you can definitely feel it for sure in your in the show and you know your process and stuff like that. Uh, do you want to touch base and talk a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Like that experience versus like the rest you know remainder of your school time you know your years at directing yeah. other shows yeah um so something that rachel briley my my mentor and the uh head of the theater for youth program at uncg encouraged me to do when i was thinking about titles for the first semester was what's something that's important to me right now and at that time summer 2020 um my grandmother my mom's mom wasn't doing so well um, health-wise. And she, my mom usually would see her every week, right? Um, And because of COVID, they weren't even able to do the, like she lived in the community where she couldn't visit her at all, even from behind a window. And she was confused. And um, it seemed as if it was, it was close to the time where we would be saying goodbye to my grandmother. And I I told Rachel, you know, uh, in so many words, if there's something 
that I could direct that would touch on that, I, I would, I would be honored to, to work on something. Uh, and she pointed me in the direction of the Arkansas bear by Orrin Harris and the Arkansas bear to give a quick synopsis, um, follows Tish, a little girl who um, is about 10 years old and she's very close to her grandfather. And we learn at the beginning of the play that her grandfather is dying. And so she makes a wish upon a star to, first she says, I wish my grandfather would never die. And uh, we learn that that's not possible. That's not a wish that we can grant. So instead she says, I wish I knew why, why my grandfather has to die. And we follow then a, the world famous dancing bear who who is this uh, all of a sudden these carnival circus characters come to life and she follows the arkansas bear or the i'm sorry the world uh world famous dancing bear to learn that he has all of this clout and he has all of this fame and he has all of these dances and these experiences that are so beautiful and precious to him and he is also dying and what is it to die with all of those things kept to yourself when you could instead share them with other people um and we meet another bear and he teaches these dances to that bear so that then his dances could live on and it's not about the material things that he's acquired over his time but the experiential things that he has shared with others and so tish begins to realize that she has learned how to whistle a song from her grandfather that she has learned how to do little dances and jigs from her grandfather she's called a chip off the old block um, in regards to her grandfather so after I read that play and bawled my eyes out, I said, yes, okay, we're going to do this. Um, because it was another thing too, to me to work on a play that so explicitly spoke about death in a way that I think, I, and I know, I'll say, not I think, because I know for me and for the folks in the cast, and I've spoken to, um, Jess Hirsch has, has talked to me about this a lot too. Um, uh, death in this play was was humanized or, or actualized rather by the ringmaster. So the ringmaster plays played by Xavier Henry. Fantastic. Um, is, is essentially coming onto the stage each time only seen by the dancing bear to take him away to the blue tent. It is his time. It is time to pass. And he never does it in a scary way. It's never in like a condemning way. It's never in a, in a, yelling voice it was always just very matter of fact it, it, it's time and it's time for you to take my hand um and of course there's these beautiful lights and there's these wild costumes there's a mime there are bears there's beautiful dancing richard brown oh my gosh phenomenal dancer and just performer in general um and it it contextualizes death in a way that it's just really beautiful. And it was, it was good for me to hear as an adult. And also there were some, I won't name names in this regard, but there were some actors in the, in the space who were experiencing something similar at that same time, who, who felt as if this play was a good way. And I'm not saying that this is, that it's healthy for all plays to be a place where you are able to air your personal business, right? That's not at all what I'm saying. And the story resonated so deeply with, with a handful of us that, um, it felt even more truthful than it possibly could be. And the irony, I suppose, of, of that time when that play was performed was that we couldn't have any young people in the audience, right? Because it was COVID. And we, I think at that point, we were only allowed to have 15 people sitting in the audience um, at, at Taylor, Taylor stage. 
on UNCG's campus. Um, and yeah, it was, it was hard at times in the sense of like, am I making this too? I rip my heart out and I throw it at you in the audience. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, it wasn't my story. It was Tish's story. Right. And it was her journey and it was her learning how to recognize and appreciate life in death. Um, yeah. And I think that's an important thing to, you know, get out there, especially for young people to understand, you know, because, you know, you're not going to live forever and, you know, you got to, you know, take, you know, not uh, take things for granted, live mm -hmm. in the moment. And it was nice to have it in a way where it can be shown in a lighter sense, but also, you know, let them know that, you know, even though we are, it is a lighter, happier play that this is a real thing that right. outside of this show, as you continue to move on and live your life and stuff like that, and some people, you know, like you never know. So it's, I think it's something definitely to, and it helps, you know, with that empathy you were saying as well, like to, to have them relate. And usually someone's had an experience already, even right. as a child you know, going through that. So I think it is good to put it on their level so, so they can comprehend and understand it without adults just saying, oh, this is what happens. Or right. Religion saying, this is, you know, you know. Right. Yeah, it's a good way to, you know, rip the Band-Aid off this. Right. <laughs> right, right. Because I think that people are doing this more and more now too, right? Rather than having a funeral be a mourning of a loss or a death, it's a celebration of life. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. I say that. I, it, that's a United States thing, right? We have El Dia de los Muertos in, in Mexico, mm -hmm. for instance, yeah, where yeah. they've been doing that for years, right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. yeah, I was talking to Roby about that too, as far as like how the, the Spanish, the Mexicans in particular, they on how they honor their dead and yeah you know bury them and keep it moving which is right it's kind of messed up but um mm -hmm. okay let's didn't mean to get you on down oh no no i love talking about that play i love that play but yeah it was actually yeah I, I enjoyed it as well um so this speaking since we're on this topic with the plays you did arkansas bear mm -hmm. Round peg, small peg. Round peg, square pegs. Yeah. Round peg, square peg. My. Mm -hmm. And wake up, brother bear. Did was mm -hmm. there another one you did? Or there's a. Those were the three official ones that were within the you know oh, okay. the seasons at, at UNCG. Sure yeah. Oh, you're sure fine. I was missing one. Yeah. But technically, our um, round peg. I mean, technically, wake up, bear, brother bear was actually the official play that was for theater for like considered theater for very young yeah yes yeah so, um also that so that's what it just so so theater for very young is like zero to six usually okay yeah because yeah. that one so you want to talk about that process and how that play is different compared to the other two where um this one was more on an interactive basis with the kids yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and yeah. It was like any, but with the challenges or non-challenge, or like, did you prefer doing that play versus yeah. the others? Or? 
my currently in my life, very like preschool aged humans are my favorite people to work with. Um, just, uh, you know, unabashed, uh, 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 imagination, uh, always saying, not always saying yes, but frequently saying yes to things. So Wake Up Brother Bear is a story that has one speaking role and the way it's written has two nonverbal roles. The way that we did it at UNCG had five nonverbal roles. There's um, Brother Bear. And then for us, there were four musicians rather than just one. And the four musicians represented the different, the four seasons in a year. Um, And Theater for the Very Young, is again this is this is a a general thing this isn't true of every single theater for the very young show um but it is usually like 30 minutes to 40 um it has a tendency to involve music um and ours involved mostly live music we had a, a flute a violin a guitar and bells both hand bells and then a keyboard and um it, it attempts oftentimes to reach beyond um, just like a visual and oral experience for its audience members. And Wake Up Brother Bear was on that plane as well, right? It was very interactive. This story um, asked, didn't demand, but asked its audience members if they were willing to get up, come onto stage, and then interact with the characters that lived in this world, or even help tell the story by um, having a physical interaction or a verbal interaction with with one of the characters on stage too. Um, And, you know, you can also have experiences that are theater for the very young that are taste um, and smell and and try to activate truly all of your senses. And uh, it is challenging, especially during COVID times, right? It is challenging to do a piece like this because we are still wary of touching people uh, or things that that could have come in contact with someone who was afflicted, right? Um, So something that we had to remain very conscientious of throughout the process was how can we have these very personal moments Oh, another thing about TVY Theater for Very Young is that oftentimes the audience size is small. So that it's, um, I'm going to say quality over quantity. However, I don't want that to be misconstrued. What I mean by that is when you have fewer people in an audience of a performance that involves interaction, there is more time allotted for an actor to have a, a very strong and like genuine moment with each and every one of those young people sitting in the audiences, right? If, you've, if you're playing this towards a hundred young people, a butterfly landing on your flower is going to have to be just for a fleeting moment before it lands on the next. Otherwise that moment lasts 20 minutes and the play is only supposed to be 40, right? right. Um, so, so there was uh, a, a, a lot of conversation in, in how can we make these moments personal and COVID conscious? So uh, the play itself asks for audience members to have props in a bag, um, like a felt flower. We had uh, water ribbon sticks. We had, um, oh my goodness, what are all the things we had? We had fireflies that were made out of Easter eggs and had uh, little uh, chenille stem wings, right? And it allows them to have their own character, their own prop item that can then interact with the world that is that we're being performed that's being performed in front of us and the way that we've tackled that covid wise is for the 
public performances done at UNCG, we were able to make props to Sam, no pun intended, Sam Gaynor was our uh, props director, made hundreds, hundreds of these bags and all of the props that went inside, um, along with with his team. I should also give credit to the UNCG design tech team in general. Um, uh, so that young people and their families could take all of their items home. And that was magical to me also too, because I know, I don't know about you, Russell, but were you the kind of kid who if like you saw a cool rock when you were four years old, you're like, this is mine now. And I love this rock and I would die for this rock and I'm taking it home. Do you ever have items like that? Yes. I don't, I wouldn't say, I don't think it was rocks. That's fair. Nowadays. I mean, even now I would say like, just, the, I wear this like the like, same shoes, shoes, hoodies, like anything. Like if it's something that I like, I rock in rock with it. And, and yeah. Any way I can, I'll, I'll try to wear it for sure. Just yeah. Make it easier and convenient, but uh. Yeah. yeah. And then, we in speaking of the rocks thing, like I, I don't know if you ever did the thing where like you paint on them and then you leave them for other people and they yes and take yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we we endow so much uh like affection towards towards items right that we have around our house and my hope i don't you know i wouldn't demand this of any of the young people or families that came to see this show but my hope is that they can look now at that little firefly that they were able to take home with them and perhaps remember oh i flew this around in summer with brother and sister bear um, I went there with my mom and dad. It doesn't even have to be that script. It can be just you see the firefly and you think summer. And then that's also in, in kind of in a way too, imparting those lessons I mentioned earlier, where now we associate certain items or certain characters or certain creatures out in the world with a time of year um, because we see them at that time of year. Um, so yeah, it was, it, I will say too, something that comes, you know, as a challenge with that is that make every show, we know this is theater artists, every single show, every performance you ever do is different. Mm -hmm. And I would argue the biggest reason that's true is because of the audience, right? You might have a Sunday matinee that isn't super responsive, but we always say they're really listening. They're really listening. They're not laughing, but they're listening, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this was that uh, times 20, right? Because depending on how interactive our young people in the audience were, moments could last X amount of more time or less time. And um, there could be some people, there was one show, were you at the show? No, I don't think, there was one performance where we had some rambunctious young people oh, no, were running was, circles. I think that was either the show before or after I came. Yeah, <laughs> and it was incredible. And of course, it's so funny too, because there was a part of me when I was watching that show that was like, this is what should be happening. And then there's another part of me that's like, shut up. Don't, don't think that way because, because yeah, that's the, that's the story that those young people wanted to help tell was that they lived in a world that was a smidge more perhaps like chaotic or they wanted to ice skate. Right. And they felt comfortable. That's the other thing. They felt comfortable and able to do that in that space because the actors on that particular performance allowed for it to happen not in a in a like a laissez-faire do whatever you want you know mess around but in a we invite you to come be a part of this world you can do that when you when you want to we we embrace it and we celebrate it um and that was actually something that we said throughout the rehearsal process is uh, you can't anticipate a young person to give you the answer you want right so if for instance the bees come out 
and there's a young person who wants to hit the bees because in their experience, bees sting and I don't like them, right? Um, how can you, these are the three words we said, acknowledge, celebrate, redirect, right? So acknowledge that it's happening, celebrate it, meaning have a response um, or reaction to it that is not no, uh, uh, instead saying like, thank you, yes, and and then redirect, meaning, okay, we'll fly the bees away, maybe near their adults so their adult can show them that the bees are not a threat, right? Or maybe to another young person. So another young person can be a peer model of how to interact with the bees, right? Um, but never shaming an audience member for the way that they react to something because they're living they're living in their given circumstances. So that, That's yeah. actually a good point you make, um, which I didn't even think about. Um, and it, it might be a little bit more visual or obvious for you specifically or or directors in your field because you are working with young people um in regards to how they do see your shows and react to your shows so i wanted to ask like how does that affect you or like when you put it up like are you just like you know i did what i could do type deal or is it just like are you like freaking out and then now that now bringing up that point with the bees like you don't know what type of trauma you know or what experiences that the kid has had watching these, you know, and it's it's geared towards a learning, it's supposed to learn, you know, be fun mm -hmm. and happy, but then, you know, not everyone is um, going to take that, um, take that experience that you're, or that lesson that you're trying to teach. Mm -hmm. Whereas it, where it comes to adults, you know, we're adults so we can compose ourselves a little bit more even if we are being affected by something whereas a child they're going to tell you whether right you know, whether you know if it's affecting them or not so do you yeah like what are your thoughts on it like do you yeah how do you feel about that in terms yeah of your work being just, just i guess judged i guess is the word oh sure and like so honestly too right we we, we call it um the wig well i call it the wiggles if ever in a theater for young audience show you you know that the play has become a little bit disinteresting or uh, like the students or young people in the audience are not interested if their bodies are wiggling or if they're playing with their hair or their neighbor more so than being interested in the story anyway but um yeah so with this experience for wake up brother bear i tried to check in as much as possible between weekends of performances with the actors um, to see if there are any questions, right? If there are any specific moments of engagement or disengagement that made them go, huh, and they weren't prepared or didn't in that exact moment have the uh, equipment um, to, to respond to it the way that they would have wanted to. Um, so we would talk about it and we, we would unpack it a little bit um, because that's, that is really important to know, all right, this is this didn't necessarily go the way that I would have wanted it to. What are the steps that I can take so that if and when it happens again, I, I have the tools that I need to respond to it appropriately. Um, and uh, something that's a challenge there, again, is, is COVID because I know a number of young people really wanted to always like hug brother and sister bear or, or the, the sprites. Um, and so we had questions of like, do we let that happen? And and half the time, you know, it was look to the eyes of the adult that they're with to see if that's okay. But, you know, um, as best you can, not being like, don't touch me, right? Um, having, having a lot of grace and patience with yourself, with the young person, and with hopefully their adult that is right nearby. Um, 
but yeah, we had a lot of conversations. If I'm being totally honest, I wish that I had been with them more between shows, um, especially touring shows, because this show also went out to schools and the ratio of young people to adult was not like one to one or one to two, like it was for the public shows. It was instead one adult to every 10 young people. So it was, it was incredibly different. Um, just, just the energy and um, the ability to kind of corral the moments that needed a little more focus in some direction, usually the moments of engagement. Um, so yeah, it was a constant. And there are some directors, I, I don't necessarily know if this would be true for theater for very young directors as much, but there are some directors who once the show opens, it's exactly what you did, right? It's you wipe your hands and it's, it's the actors and the stage managers show from here on out. Um, and my hat's off to you. Like, that's awesome. I think that that's, that's, you know, if you, if that is the way and you have total faith and commitment to your cast to be able to do that. And I'm not saying that I didn't have faith in my cast. It was just, it was an ongoing conversation because the variables were so drastically different from, from performance to performance. Um, and I like that. I like having those conversations because I'm continuing continuing to learn too. Um, it's not like I have all of the answers. It was, oh no, we're going to continue to to take this particular challenge that came up one day and both learn from it. And this strategy I'm suggesting may not even be the right one. There might be like 17 right ones, and all of them are good for different ways uh, or reasons. So, yeah. So, what's your goals in terms of theater for like where do you want to take this do you want to do strictly don't continue to just do theater do you want to do mm. like film like how what's what are the options when it comes to going forward now that yeah you know, well that's a great question Russell and I wish I could tell you that I'm like fully committed to one particular thing um, but that's, that's fine too. you know, I've said for the longest time that I would like to become an education director of a theater company, which would essentially entail in my experience. Um, uh, it's a lot of admin work, right? You're creating the programming that's going to be offered to your local uh, community, whether that's in-house classes or um, um, teaching artists going out to schools and doing things or having the summer productions, right? Um, uh, I, I would really enjoy doing that. However, I've also observed that in that role, you don't have as much contact time, meaning you don't um, teach the class necessarily. You don't like teach the classes yourself or, or you don't necessarily direct the productions yourself either. You, you're in a spot where you get to allocate that to your education team. Um, and at this point in my life, I still want that contact time. I still want to be in the room with young people creating the work and, and feeling the imagination in the room and, and experiencing that moment of empathy, even if you're acting like you're the snuffleupagus or something, right? Um, so ed, ed director might be something that I do in a decade, um, but I do definitely want to use all of the things that I've learned both as an, a director and as a teaching artist about TYA and theater for the very young to then begin to implement those lessons and those tools in my own theater company. Um, and, and, you know, so much has changed in the last five years alone. Like, like I, so, so I can't even imagine in a decade where we'll be, but I, I do feel pretty confident now, a little less impostery about the idea of that being, that being actualized um, and, and me being a good person to have in that role. 
Um, but I would like as much experience as I can get. So that's why I'm continuing to do teaching artistry, uh, both for, for young people and for, I guess, technically adults. Um, and yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, what's interesting is I don't know how much more directing I'll do if, if that's part of the ed director work. That's awesome. Um, but I find myself falling more into the teacher role than the director role, at least in the immediate future. Okay. Um, as long yeah. as it involves helping kids. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. So what's your what's your motivation going forward? Like what what inspires you to continue this work and to, you know, be on that line of teaching the young young people? Yeah. I think of like testimonials from, because it's the most recent project I've done from Wake Up Brother Bear. Uh, I worked alongside the child care education program at UNCG, which is essentially their preschool um, and like kindergarten aged young people. And uh, I worked with them all fall semester. And then they got to see a performance of Wake Up Brother Bear for free. And as we were leaving, one young person said, I wish we could do this every day. And, and it's things like that. Um, and uh, after, after the public performances were done, I ran into a man who saw me with a poster about Wake Up Brother Bear at this event. And he said, were you responsible for this? And I kind of took me aback. And he said, I just want you to know that my son, I won't name his name, but my son saw this play with his grandmother. And then I, it clicked. He was one of the boys who ran in circles around the entire cast. He tells me, this man tells me, he said, he enjoyed it so much that he saw it multiple times. And that, that just warms my heart, right? To, to hear not only a young person in one context say that they got something out of it so much so that they wanted to experience something like that every day, but also to hear an, an adult human um, who wasn't even at the performance share with me, this is the impact that this had on my son and our family. Um, that makes me really, really happy to, yeah. to hear. So yeah, that's what keeps me going. Yeah, because I can I can definitely attest to that too. And it's and it's you know, you think because you know, not many people know you at the moment that you're not impacting people, but like all it takes is one person to be impacted by your work. And you know, that makes the world for sure. Yeah. Like, so when you are having those moments of imposter syndrome and feeling like are you doing the right thing or you don't know certain things and then when you feel how it makes them feel in a positive way i mean that's all you can ask for at that right point, you know it's worth it yeah for sure yeah. um so art in general in your life how what is why is it important to you or what, what makes it important to you when, what's yeah <laughs> yeah i think art I mean, I think you so often hear arts and humanities paired together for a reason, mm -hmm. right? Um, art and theater opens up a side of you that, that allows for the imagination. I know I keep saying the word imagination. I keep saying the word empathy, but it's, it's, it, it life doesn't exist without art, right? Um, and, and I think there's something so special about it, not, there not being a clear cut answer. I was watching one of your previous, uh, podcasts and in an interview, um, the woman you're speaking to, forgive me for not knowing her name off the top of my head, but, 
Um, she said the most recent one, I think the finale. Bernice Turner, yeah. Yes, she said that she doesn't exist in a world of black and white. She exists in this world of grays and there's all the, these shades, right? And and that's what art allows us, right? Is, is um, you can say someone's a good actor, right? Or you can say something was a good performance and there's so many conversations that could then spread from that, right? Because what, people's perspectives are completely different on, on art. Um, you can't just say two plus two is four kind of a deal. Um, and again, I'll come back to the empathy. I, theater and art is a gateway to empathy, which I think is such a basic human trait and, and need um, in, in the world, right? If we had more theater and asked more young people to maybe pretend to be something or someone that they're not, what would our world look like? Um, I won't necessarily go into specifics on that, but uh, I think... We all know what would what... <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. this world. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, so that's what art is to me. Art is a... Is a a human right and uh, a kind of a natural human need. human need. Yeah. At that. And that might be very flighty or, or I don't know, too philosophical or blah, blah, blah. Artists. But Hey, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can have these conversations right. on that flighty and philosophical level. Mm -hmm. But um, so if someone, a young person or fellow colleague or someone uh, just ask you any advice on getting into the theater education, the theater for youth, or mm. just life advice in general, would you have, what would you say to them? Oh, a number of things just came to mind. One thing that I really take from my first semester here at UNCG this is this is this will answer the question just like as a director as a as a teacher as a leader in a space or as a human is find comfort in the answer i don't know but i'm going to find out for you mm -hmm. um because i think so so often in the past we've had this authoritarian uh, view on a director or an adult or or a leader to have all of the answers and I think there's a lot of power um, and understanding that comes in. You know, I don't have that particular answer in this moment, but I, as someone who's being asked the question, I'm going to take the responsibility and trying to find out the answer for you. Um, and uh, I would also say being, being an artist and being and working with theater for young audiences or really just working with other people is um, flexibility, and reading the room, um, and those two go hand in hand, right? Because you might enter into a space and think that it's going to go one specific direction, right? You've created a lesson plan, or you've got your rehearsal report that says, oh, well, at this time we're doing this, and at this time we're doing this, and at this time, and you might enter into that and discover very quickly from reading the room that that's not going to serve us today. And um, I think, you know, it could go one of two ways, but I do, I do think that there is, uh, you need to have patience with yourself and with your team and understand that, yeah, I under, like, this is going to be important. We made this lesson plan or we made this rehearsal report because this is going to serve us eventually. And we're going to, we're going to hold off on this for a moment so that I can 
get this group of humans to, to whatever level I need for us to be productive in that way. Um, yeah. So product or um, flexibility, reading the room and the power of, I don't know, but I'll find out. Awesome. Mm. Awesome. So um, I know we briefly talked about it off care off uh, recording. Um, but uh, so what's, what's next for, Haley. Oh, sure. Yeah. Recently graduated. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Congratulations to you, Russell. Thank thank you. Thank you. Yes. So now that you're in the real world yet again. Uh, (laughs) Yep. Yep. So I'm I'm still in this party house. So you know where I live, Russell, if you're ever trying to come come play. Oh, best believe. Yeah. Oh, come down. We should get a virtual thing going, just saying. But we'll we'll set that up off off camera. Um, Yeah, uh, so I'm still in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I have committed to UNCG's School of Theater once again as a, an instructor of record. I am a, an adjunct, adjunct professor. Um, I will be teaching three courses this upcoming semester. We've got Acting One, we've got um, Play Script Analysis, and Fundies, but it's no longer called Fundamentals of Acting. Um, but it yeah, now? oh, it's it's got heroes in the name. It's, oh, it's got like some sort of acting heroes, superheroes. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one one of my jobs. So I'm teaching to uh, uh, undergraduate level students during the day. And then in the afternoons, I've, I've committed to Drama Kids of the Triad, which is a uh, generally an after-school um, theater and drama lesson um, within elementary schools, more specifically, throughout the Triad area. So we've got some, some schools in Winston, some in Kernersville, some in Greensboro, High Point, all that jazz. And then um, I'm also teaching classes once again for uh, the community theater of Winston-Salem every Wednesday. So the classes that I took when I was nine years old, I will be teaching. I'm very excited. It's a fractured fairy tale. And then one final thing I'm doing, because I, I can't do enough, right, <laughs> is I, I believe it's not sealed the deal just yet, but I have a meeting tomorrow. Um, Wellspring uh, Community, which is a retirement community here in, in Greensboro, North Carolina, they have an Agatha Christie play that needs a director. So um, rather than working with very young, I'll be working with folks who are a little bit older. Um, and that will be every Monday from, I think, August to September, September to October. Um, so yeah, so I've got directing, I've got teaching, I've got teaching all different ages coming down the, the, the pipe. year I'd, I'd say yeah. pretty successful uh time for it at fresh out of college out of great thank you <laughs> thank you yes i'm proud of it and yes, still doing yes. theater yes, yeah yes. so um how can those get in touch with you or keep to up to date with you um on oh my gosh yeah yeah so uh my email i can absolutely uh, make accessible to everyone is hp green street at gmail.com and uh, I have an Instagram Haley G street um, where I usually post about artistic endeavors that I'm a part of and follow me on Facebook. Hey, my name is H A Y L E Y. There's, uh, you know, there's a billion ways to spell the name Haley. So, and green street just sounds like green street. So, um, but yeah, I would love, and I also have a website. It's a Squarespace one. I might just send that to you, Russell. Um, I need to reactivate it. Um, first, but yeah, uh, see, see what I'm up to. And I would love to, to work with more folks. And if there's anyone who ever has questions about 
TYA or TVY. I'm here for it. Please reach out to her because she is as nice as she seems on this. <laughs> Why, thank you, Russell. You're first, too generous. I think you were either the first or one of the first people that even just like came up to me, like started talking to me, like when we were out at the brewery. You were just like, yes, just kind of like social butterfly over here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really nice. I like talking. <laughs> But it's a curiosity, which is nice too, and it's yeah. like genuinely wanting to get to know people, which is yeah. Nice. Well, that's what you're doing here too, Russell, right? You know, I, some I, of that I, empathy, I, that give and take. Yes. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, you are doing what you can. That's awesome. Um, Haley, I, I like I appreciate you being on my on this show. Um, I just have one final question for you. So, when it's all said and done. Hmm. However, you want to interpret that. Mm. What do you want your legacy to look like? Wow. I hope that I, even if people didn't have direct experiences with me, um, themselves as as their teacher as their director whatever else I, I just almost hope that if my name is ever heard it's it's accompanied by some sense of warmth and um an acknowledgement of of the power and maybe not power maybe that's not the right word but the importance of young people and young minds and and I hope my legacy helps um, others remember that we shouldn't underestimate young people. They're so smart. They have so much, so much um, that they can help us learn on a day-to-day -day basis um, and that we should cherish that. That's what I hope if, if my legacy does anything that, that it's to help that mantra stay in people's minds. Well, uh, thank you. I would say that it, it's starting already and... <laughs> Like, like you were saying about um, you're going back to the community theater to teach or direct mm -hmm. that, where you started. So mm -hmm. you are going full circle. Now you are that handing that baton off. Well, the baton's been handed off to you, I should say. And now you are in that position to inspire that next nine-year-old. Yeah. Or boy. Or yeah. So. Yeah. Say, uh, it's going to be pretty good. Oh, thanks, Russell. Oh, my gosh. I hope so. <laughs> um, thank you guys for joining me and us on another episode of Artist Life. Um, as I always say, I leave you with this. Peace, love, and blessings.